electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to help you make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, to teach how this business works. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. The crumbling crypto world may have stolen the show today, but make no mistake about it. The return of the bull is the real story. Yes, the emperor of crypto, Sam Bankman-Fried, proved to have no clothes, or at least really bad ones. And yes, billions of dollars did vanish in thin air. Yet its damage couldn't obscure the positive reverberations from yesterday's consumer price index reading, which was so powerful it let us rally again, Dow gaining 32 points, this would be jumping 0.92%. The NASDAQ, get this, surging 1.88%, led by stocks that do well when the Fed stops bringing the pain because the CPI was so lighter than expected. At the same time, the recession stocks did get slammed today. As someone who believes in a balanced portfolio, the pickings were quite good. Lots of quality, farm and sale, lots of not-so-good cloud stocks being bought. We told members of the investing club to take the other side of the trade, buy some staples, dump the narrative oil text into the strength. That is, if you still have any. It was a very good morning meeting I had with Jeff Marks because it was really timely before some powerful reversals. We know there'll be further revelations about crypto, even as all the king's horses and all the king's men are working hard to put Humpty Dumpty coin back together again. Hey, that's a good name for a currency, Humpty Dumpty currency. Let's start it. But crypto is a sideshow, people. What matters next week as we go into the game plan is whether inflation will stay tame. Because tame inflation means the Fed can slam the brakes on the economy or it can stop. The lower inflation, the less likely we have high rate hikes. So to that end, let's go to the wall and figure out what to focus on in a week that's actually devoted largely to retail, which means to you. 
In fact, let's start there. On Tuesday, we get the aggregate number. We get retail sales. Now, an aggregate number is what the Fed's looking at. And while I want retail stocks to do well, oddly, I have to root for a weak number there with little inflation in order to make that happen. See, I'm concerned that the market's got a little bit of a Panglossian sheen going. But if we see weak retail sales and learn that things are getting very promotional in the key power sector, well, then the market can stay strong. Remember, we're in bad news is good news mode with these macro numbers. The worse retail gets, the less damage the Fed needs to do before they declare victory. And apparel, as anyone saw, if you actually broke down the index of the CPI, is a gigantic part of Monday's pretty quiet, except for a report from a company called High Peak Energy, which was profiled a long time ago. I expect it to be stellar. Now, most of the oil companies that I focus on these days are all about conserving cash and then returning it to shareholders. High Peak, on the other hand, is just a plain old-fashioned go-for-the-gusto driller. And it's got tremendous growth. It is definitely what you want to own if you think that oil prices are going much higher. Tuesday, aside from the grandiose retail numbers, we hear from Walmart. All right, now, Walmart, all I can tell you is that the vast majority of Wall Street has decided this one's going to be good, maybe even a blowout quarter, and the stock's going to keep running. Now, i got to tell you, we own Costco for that, Costco for the charitable trust, but we're ta- we've tried over and over again to be in Walmart. Only to be surprised by the downside and finally just threw our hands up and said, no, thank you. The good news here is that the economy is finally soft enough that the consumer may start to trade down, even as people will still have money to spend. And that cuts and always has in favor of Walmart. On the opposite side of the equation, there's lots of money bet against the stock of Home Depot because housing is so soft. I think there's more to Home Depot than just new construction. Same goes for Lowe's, which is the next day. Uh, It's entirely possible that both companies are winning because of renovations. Contractors are Home Depot's wheelhouse. Lowe's does great with do-it-yourselfers, and they remodel plenty. I don't expect either one of these to knock out of the park. But if they can talk about how housing is not a dead industry, I am sure that Toll Brothers, Lennar, Horton, and Pulte will continue to run as they have ever since Horton reported. And we got that core CPI data earlier in the week. Remember, we visited Home Depot not that long ago. There's so much more to this company than just, say, timber. Now, before the open Wednesday, we get TJX, which to me represents the best of the best for this particular moment. TJX buys merchandise that other retailers are desperate to get rid of so they can bring in new stuff. And then they buy this inventory at incredibly low prices. They call TJX an all-priced retailer. You know what I call it? A cash machine. Target reports, too. I know many people have been shorting this one, but I think the shorts could be wrong. CEO Brian Cornell just got a new contract to keep running the joint. I am a believer in Target. Here's one controversial. NVIDIA. It missed the last quarter and talked about how our government's blocking the sale of their most powerful chips to China. Ever since then, the stock has been roaring. Now, but maybe that's because NVIDIA found a way to sell different chips to the People's Republic. Uh, maybe you could pop on that. But I'm concerned that the semis are enjoying more of a short covering rally than the real thing, which means clean inventories and brand new cooler running pro- uh, product is what's going to save the day. Now, after the close, we get results from Cisco. The networking kingpin has been in a bit of a rut, but it has good orders. I like the risk reward going in. Here's a fun one on Wednesday. Bolero. Remember we met then? This is a SPAC that's rolling up bowling alleys across the country, making them real cool, too. And I, I happen to love them. It's just a fun thing. They're printing money. I, I, I want to own this one ahead if you want a speculative stock. Now, Thursday, well, it starts like at like 4 in the morning. It's like Alibaba. You know, you come in, it's going crazy. Now, this is the largest e-commerce play in China. I want to be as candid as possible. I think the Chinese government wants a good number here. So they'll give you a good number. 
They want American investors back in their stock market. They know that they need that money. And just so you know, uh, the easiest way to lure Americans back in is to have companies like Alibaba to deliver solid results and give bullish commentary that's checked off by the government. That's how it's done. My view, look, it isn't the first national Sam Friedman bank, but I am sick of trusting the Chinese government. Alibaba will always be hostage to the, China, the Communist Party. This quarter, that might be good for them. Next quarter, it may be bad. Hey, two tough ones, Kohl's and Gap. They both report. And while Kohl's has already pre-announced what looked like an okay number, I sure don't want to stick around for their holiday projections, even as I do like the interim CEO, Tom Kingsbury, who takes over next month. As for Gap, it's incredibly inexpensive. Unfortunately, Gap's also fighting for its life in an existential contest, and I don't want to be part of that salvage mission. But the one I do like is Palo Alto Networks. Nikesh Aurora. I recommend buying this stock. Let's say it goes down on any of these days. Buy this first if it dips. This is the finest cybersecurity company out there, and I think it could have a monster quarter. Finally, Friday, we get results from a stock I really haven't, like Foot Locker. Now, this is the first conference call done by Mary Dillon, whom I do like. She did such an amazing job at Ulta Beauty. Dillon turned Ulta around. I bet she has a plan to turn around the trouble Foot Locker, too. I know people really want me to talk crypto, okay? And I'll do that at the end of the show. The only big stock that's involved directly, though, is MicroStrategy. Mister, they own so much Bitcoin that they could be in real trouble, although the key to owning Bitcoin is to tell others who don't who say, wow, you have a lot of Bitcoin, you just call them idiots. That's the way they've done this for years now. Oh, you don't like my position? That's because you're an idiot. I used to argue like that in fifth grade. I think the ongoing collapse of all things crypto will no doubt be the talk of the week. I'd rather make money in good stocks and throw away the bad ones. Hey, one more word on crypto before I move on. I've been screaming at the government, any part of it, to regulate the crypto market to protect you, and I've failed, okay? I've done it endlessly. But at this point, at this point I got to tell you, I, I hope the regulators recognize the barn doors opened and the horses are all gone. Bottom line, this market's got a lot of exciting sideshows, but in the end, what matters is inflation. If we get more signs that it's moderating next week, this market can stay strong. Otherwise, the rally will just run out of steam. Daniel in California. Daniel. Hey, Jim. I'm actually in Brazil hoping to catch some Formula One this weekend. Brazil? Uh, Oh, my God. Are you lucky? Yeah, I got a lot of relatives down there, but I can't find them. Maybe you can look for them. What's going on? Uh, This company had a great Q3 and has recovered nicely uh, from its 52-week low. What are your thoughts on Intuitive ISRG? I happen to think that they make incredible equipment, and they've got a razor razor blade model, and it's coming back, and I think you should continue to buy it. And have a great time in Brazil, and keep telling them how great America is. What matters right now is inflation. If we get more signs that it's moderating next week, this market will stay strong. Otherwise, hey, ka-ching. On Midbody Tonight, it's Veterans Day. So we're talking to an incredible leader and veteran, Lockheed Martin, Jim Taiglin. Learning more about how his service has shaped him into the CEO he is in today. Boy, is he a good one. Then the cloud, how, uh, the cloud stocks, we know what they've been, right? I mean, any shocker? But after yesterday's bounce, could this run have staying power? Or is it time to ring the register? I'll give you my take. And Lifetime just opened up its latest outpost here in downtown Manhattan. So I'm sitting down with the company's top brass to learn more about what the company has in its pipeline. So stay with Kramer.
Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Every Veterans Day, we like to remind Wall Street that the best way to honor our service members is by hiring them. And you know what? It's good for the bottom line, too. You know who's great about this? The defense contractors, especially Lockheed Martin, which this week was ranked number five on the Forbes list of America's best employers for veterans. Proud of these guys. Not for nothing. Lockheed's also been a terrific investment. It's up almost 31% year to date. How many of you have that are like that? Including a big move since they reported a better than expected quarter about a month ago. Didn't hurt that they also announced a $14 billion increase to a share of purchase authorization. That was, some of the bears told me that would never happen. Regular viewers know I've been a gigantic fan of Lockheed ever since Russia invaded Ukraine because their hardware suddenly became a lot more essential all over the world, although I've liked the stock ever since the man we're about to talk to uh, joined the firm. So let's take a close look with Jim Tankley. He's the chairman and CEO of Lockheed Martin and a veteran of the Air Force who joins us now. Mr. Tankley, welcome back to Mad Money. Good evening, Jim. Always great to be with you. You know, I feel the same, Jim, from the days from, uh, you know, from, AT, from the Tower days, which were incredible. But I think that this is just such an honor to talk with you because of what you're doing with Lockheed. First, I just want you to explain to people, point blank, hiring veterans, while it seems like we talk about it as being something that's good to do, 
is actually what you should do if you want something good for your bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, veterans have been through uh, significant amounts of training. They often get great responsibility at a relatively young age. They've got to work with people right from the beginning. And you've got to earn your leadership position. You don't get it just with stripes on your shoulder or bars on your uh, collar. You get it because you earned that leadership with your character. So the people that come out of the military, uh, almost without exception, are great people to have in your workforce. Uh, we've got 23,000 veterans in our company. It's about 20% uh, of the workforce, one out of five. And we just hired another 2,500 last year. Now we've got 6,000 jobs almost open that we're advertising for. So if you're a veteran, you're hearing this, look, it up, look us up and uh, see if there's something for you there. We'd love to have you. Well, that is great that you did that. The first person who's done that, I've been interviewing people all week and they, Point, they've never really just said, hey, listen, we're ready to hire you. And thank you so much for what you're doing. Now, can you talk a little bit more about military home building, the rebuilding together? Because that's another side that you think is very important. I want people to know about. Sure. Um, you know, look, veterans, especially if they stayed until retirement, uh, may not have uh, incredible financial uh, assets or uh, you know, availability for loans, et cetera. And we want to make sure when we can help with housing for folks uh, all the way up to Vietnam and even you know, Korean War veterans, uh, if they need a helping hand, our company likes to step in. Our employees like to help them and work with them to have uh, an upgrade to their home or renovation or something needs fixed that they really need. Maybe they can't afford it. So it's really something that's uh, you know, on the ground, hands on. Our people like to get involved. Uh, you know, many of them are engineers and craftsmen and technicians themselves, and that's a good way for them to pitch in, and they feel great about it. Hey, i got to ask you, because I've known you for a long time. I, I've spent a lot of time talking to people from the military, and my father was in the military. And one of the things that my father said, when you try to interview a vet, you got to be always careful, because all they ever do is talk about how it's team. They never want to mention themselves. They never want to promote themselves. It's against the ethos. What do you tell veterans who definitely are people we want to hire, that it's okay to say that, you know what, I'm a good leader, I had a good team, as opposed to just saying, I'm part of a great team. Well, I think that, that leadership comes with the experience. Uh, you can tell from a, whether it's a non-commissioned officer, enlisted fellow or lady, uh, or an officer, just by their resume, they, they've earned, again, they've earned those leadership experiences because A, they were great at what they were doing and they could manage and lead people uh, and inspire them to follow into uh, maybe unpleasant or even dangerous situations. And so those folks have earned their stripes. Um, they tend to be modest. Um, look, we all get our lessons too, right, Jim? I'll tell you a really quick story. I got my lesson once. I was on a, a check ride mission uh, in a Lockheed Martin C-141 Starlifter back uh, a few years ago, I'll say. And a check ride is you're either gonna get passed or failed based on your performance. And I thought I was a pretty good pilot. First leg of the mission, landed the plane, filled out the maintenance log, literally put my feet on the dashboard of the plane while the crew was in the back unloading the aircraft and getting the passengers off and, and the Army uh, folks that we had on there and their equipment. And the check pilot, who's the person that can fail me, kind of slapped me along the side of the head and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, my job's done. The plane's landed, we're parked, maintenance performance filled out. He said, I'm done. And he goes, no, you're not done until the last person on your crew has finished their job. So get back there and help out. Wow. I learned a lot that day. 
Well, that's <laughs> he was kind it. enough not to tell me, <laughs> but I did learn a Businesses, lot. That that's what business should be. One last question, actually, about business. Ukraine, you've got the best weapons. Uh, are, are we doing I, I, you're in a difficult position because your CEO has to deal with the government. But uh, if we gave the Ukrainian army more of what Lockheed Martin makes, would it be a fair fight against a giant country like Russia? Well, look, first of all, Jim, that's, as you imply, that's a U.S. government policy decision. It's outside the realm of our company. But what I can say is with what the Ukrainians have, uh, they've comported themselves and, and actually performed extremely well. Um, they've had good training along the way over the years with other allies in the region. They know how to use our equipment and others, and they've done it to great effect. Uh, we'll, we will step up to whatever the U.S. government asks us to do in support of Ukraine and and be, be pleased and eager to do it. Well, thank you. And thank you again for saying, listen, we're hiring right now because everybody says they're hiring. And then when someone tries out, it's like, oh, well, actually, we said that. But, you know, we we're full up. I know that Lockheed Martin is a company and you are a man of your Jim Takeler, chairman and CEO of Lockheed Martin, a proven winner since the show began 17 years ago. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up. Lots of big tech names have taken it on the chin. But is the cloud aristocracy above the fray? Reach for the sky next. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. You know, yesterday we had that insane run after the October Consumer Price Index came in slightly cooler than expected, telling us that the Fed may be winning its war against inflation. It was the best day for the averages since the spring of 2020. Now, it really impacted the Nasdaq, which was up 7.3%. For the last year, all sorts of speculative stocks and richly valued growth names have been obliterated. Why? Because when they become much less attractive in a rising interest rate environment, which we sure have had. But if the Fed can ease up on the tightening, these groups do come back in style in, yes, the Wall Street fashion show. But this spread spread to everything speculative, even cryptocurrencies, had huge runs yesterday despite the collapse of the second biggest crypto exchange and what many are calling a Lehman Brothers moment. Now, wait a second. Is that really rigorous? Tonight, I want to talk about the cloud, where it just exploded higher. All three major cloud ETFs had their best day ever. Imagine that. The Wisdom Tree Cloud Computing Fund up more than 13%. I mean, these really stood out to me because the cloud-based software stocks have been under the most immense pressure of all the market, not just for the last year, but actually, especially since the last, last week, literally, last week. Today, we had a pair of big names, Atlassian and Twilio, one time big favorites. Both reported awful numbers and saw their stocks get eviscerated and took a lot of others down with it. Now, I've been warning you away from all things software as a service for a while now because so many are faltering or losing big money. 
But there are some quality companies in this group that I think would be worth owning if we could figure out when the cloud names might really be ready to bottom. Now, I'm not sticking out my neck yet to make this call uh, because the industry is so hated. More important, just this earnings season, the cloud plays have started to really feel the impact of a slowing economy. That's new for them. They've usually been so strong that they've been overcoming the economy. But they're giving you shortfalls and forecast cuts because of macro weakness. The fundamentals have generally gotten a lot worse. That's why yesterday's cloud breaking, it was striking. Unfortunately, I think this is a case, and you see this a lot, where Wall Street has gotten ahead of itself. Yesterday, we got a glimpse of what the market might look like when the Fed's finally done raising interest rates. The problem is, they're not done. Inflation might be moving in the right direction, but it's still very high. The Fed likely won't hit us with another 75 basis point rate hike, but they'll almost certainly keep tightening, maybe 50 basis points, maybe 25. Frankly, yesterday's rally felt a lot like a short squeeze for some sections of the market, where they're bears to convince themselves that nothing good could ever happen. Then we got a positive CPI reading, and they rushed for the exits. To, to rush from the exits, if you're them, means buying stocks to close their shorts out. So I don't think this run in the cloud stocks is, is necessarily sustainable, especially when it comes to the ones that aren't profitable. And those are the ones I always tell you in the lightning round, don't touch. And that's why I recommend using this incredible rebound actually as a rare opportunity to sell the weaker cloud stocks into strength. If you were trapped in these things, this is giving you a chance to get out. That said, some of them actually might be worth keeping, but only the highest quality names. So tonight we're breaking down one of the ETFs that ripped yesterday. Uh, and this is the Wisdom Tree Cloud Computing Fund in search of software as a service stocks that might be worth holding on to if you think the worst of the pain is over. We picked this ETF because it's the highest profile uh, group with the most components. And it's also, by the way, when people flash how's the cloud doing, they use this ETF as kind of the generic way of saying, here's how the clouds do it. Now, of the 75 stocks in this Wisdom Tree Cloud Computing Fund, every single one was up yesterday, including 59 that were up double digits. The best performer is a company called Ring Central. We've had it on one a bunch of times. It rallied more than 30%. And that's how you get an average gain of 13.5%. However, let's not forget about the context here. Coming into Thursday, this group of cloud stocks was down nearly 57% year-to-date on average. Only one of them was up at all box, and that's because of challenge, a challenger, or an insurgent that came in, and they fixed the thing, and so it finally started moving. Even after yesterday's rally and another strong day today, 75 stocks in this ETF are down, get this, an average of 49% for the year. Hey, maybe they were just due, right? More than half of them are still down just for the month of November. They merely gained back a small fraction of what they lost. So how do we tell which ones might be worth betting on here? We don't want anything. First of all, the market capitalization below $1 billion because those are too small and too risky for this market. We don't want anything that's expected to be unprofitable next year because this market's mantra is earnings uberalis. We don't want anything that's only tangentially related to the cloud or that we're not that familiar with. And they've stuck a bunch of the, you know, they're trying to get a bunch of stocks in. You know, I don't like these ETFs. They have a lot of stuff in there that shouldn't even count as cloud. Finally, we only want software as a service stocks that can pass what what we call the rule of 40 test. Now, remember, this is so important. I'm going to go over it again. To succeed in this industry, you either need rapid fire revenue growth or high profitability. The rule of 40 tests both. You take the revenue growth, you add the operating margin, and if the sum's below 40, untouchable. Put it all together and get, (laughs) this is pretty amazing, 
Only 13 of the cloud components passed the test. My three favorites of the, of the test passers are CrowdStrike, Datadog, and ServiceNow. CrowdStrike is a top-tier cloud-oriented cybersecurity play. The whole group got clobbered last week after Fortinet had some cautious commentary about the economy. Yeah, macro concerns for, for a company that does cybersecurity. What, are you crazy? So CrowdStrike, they did. So CrowdStrike's still down 11% for the month of November. And that's even after 17% gain over the past two days. But I think the sellers may have been painting too broad a brush. I mean, as CyberRock reported strong numbers that same day, I told you at the top of the show, I think Palo Alto is going to be good. My feeling is that this is a situation where the winners and losers in the cloud space and CrowdStrike, along with Palo Alto, is a winner. Okay? One caveat. CrowdStrike's an expensive stock, selling for 75 times next year's earnings estimates. But, man, CrowdStrike has beaten the earnings every quarter since it came public more than three years ago. How many can do that? And it's beating them often by a lot. So if they can keep that up, it's definitely cheaper than it looks. Second, I wish they didn't. I don't like this silly name, but it's such a good company. Datadog, best in class when it comes to application performance monitoring and analytics. They go to companies and make sure the consumer-facing technology actually works. Datadog reported a terrific quarter last Thursday, yet the stock barely got credit for it because everything cloud is hated. This one's also expensive, but when the Fed finally takes its boot off of the of next of these companies, Datadog should be able to rebound the hardest. Third, ServiceNow, symbol N-O-W, with IT management software that helps its clients automate all sorts of back office jobs. Now, a few weeks ago, ServiceNow reported a good quarter, but they're running circles around the competition. Plus, I have a lot of confidence in CEO Bill McDermott, and he seems to have a lot of confidence in 2023. The stock roared over the next few days, but then gave back much of those gains before soaring 12% yesterday. At these levels, it's still selling for 45 times next year's earnings estimates, which makes it comparatively cheap. Hey, look, I had a couple of honorable mentions, too. Cloud plays like technically failed the rule of 40, not by much. Salesforce, king of the cloud, with the stock that's down nearly 50% from its highs last year, and a very smart activist, by the way, pressuring to create value. I can't recommend buying Salesforce up here, but we own some for the Chapel Trust, and we've been sticking with it as we have for many years. Finally, there's Workday, which does software for both human resources and financial planning. Last Friday, it had fallen to its lowest level since April 2020. Plenty kind of crazy because since then it's rebounded like crazy, and that's correct. But even then, Workday selling for 35 times next year's earnings estimates, despite the fact that it's expected to grow those earnings at only a 31% clip. Only. I bet it gets a lot more credit for the growth as the Fed stops tightening, although that could take some time. Bottom line here, aside from this handful of exceptions, if you own anything in the cloud, you got to treat your yesterday's magnificent snapback rally as a gift. Take the gift, do some selling, because this group hasn't finished its stint in purgatory. And there are so many better stocks in other industries to buy. Let's take some calls. Let's go to Michael in Massachusetts. Michael. Jim, thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime listener and also a club member. Oh, thank you for joining the investing club. It means a great deal to me, and I hope we do not let you down. How can I help? Uh, next to Apple, Snowflake is my largest stock holding. You know, I've read Frank Slootman's book, which is very good. I've looked at their financials. They seem to be okay for my novice eye. Uh, my question is, is though I feel as though I'm married to this stock. Am I doing the right thing by holding on to well, it? Well, look, I thought the book was great, too. I think Frank's model of renting the cloud is actually ultimately going to work. I think people got too excited about the stock. He doesn't run the company for the stock. He runs the company for a long-term view. And I think that you've got that. And therefore, I think you should just stick with Slootman. I see the stock bottoming. I think it's going to have a multi-year run. It's just it just came public in a very frothy time. 
Thank you for being a member of the Investing Club. We've been doing a lot of good stuff, and there's a lot more good stuff ahead. And if you're watching the show, I do urge you to join the CNBC Investing Club. Now, if you own anything in the cloud, you've got to treat yesterday's magnificent snapback rally as a gift. I think you should take that gift and do some selling, particularly for the ones that are losing money. Much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with Lifetime. Put an investment in a health and wellness chain, bring some strong gains to your portfolio. Why don't we check in with the CEO? Then from Dogecoin to Polkadot, what do you do with some of these crypto coins now? Do you start buying them, investing, and put it in your bank? Well, I'll give you my take. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This has been a brutal year for IPOs from the class of 2021, but some of these things are legitimate businesses. Take Lifetime Group Holdings, the upscale experiential health club, which just reported this Wednesday, and it was an inline quarter, but it had a surprise increase in members. Normally, membership declines in the third quarter. In response, the stock correctly gained 4%. When, then it tacked on another 18% in yesterday's incredible action. Deservedly so. Earlier today, we checked in with Baram Akrati. He is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Lifetime Group Holdings at his new one Wall Street location. Kind of a country club that's perfect for downtown. Take a look. Baram, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm excited. Why? Because you used to come on and you had a very undervalued company. And you said, you know what, one day I'm just going to own it. You took it private, you go public, then you have COVID. Right. And yet, look at this. This is an amazing thing. How have you been able to pull it off? Uh, it's, been, it's been a big but great challenge. Uh, stay close to the fundamentals. Take care of your customers. Take care of your team members. Continue the culture. We have amazing relationship with our landlords. So uh, we paid everybody's rent. They love Lifetime. And so we've been able to continue to move forward and we are ready. We're ready to pounce. Now, when I look at where you are, I think there could be a hundreds more lifetimes. Yeah, I think the opportunity is easily three times as many locations as we have to open today. Well, let's tell us where we are right now so people know, because it's a very exciting place. Yeah. So this is obviously one wall. Uh, Harry Macklow took this building to build some beautiful uh, condominiums, and then they put uh, Whole Foods on the main street, which is going to open next month or the month after. Uh, and then uh, we worked hard to get this space with the vaults and everything to make it purely magical. And I am so proud of it. It's beautiful, and everybody who comes in, they just find something they can they can imagine. It would be this beautiful here. So you are a sought-after client in the world of, say, REITs. Right. Now, tell me something. When I talk to people who are members, they don't regard it as a gym. Right. They think of it either as a country club, a safe place. They use words that are not usually used about places that have this kind of gym equipment. You've always said that that was key to your success. Yes. How did you know? So when I, when I first decided to build this company, I had a clear idea not didn't want to build a fitness center, didn't want to build a gym company. We really wanted to build that place that after you got done with your work day, you would feel like, I want to go there, even more inviting, more pleasant than maybe your living room. That was my vision. 
And so our goal has been to create an environment that people just love to be in naturally. Socially is the place they want to be with other people, pleasant, inviting, and then they get to do all aspects of their healthy living, healthy aging in one place. And that's what become Lifetime. Well, as you know, I got excited about yours first because of my daughter, right. uh, who uh, belonged, before she moved in the city, belonged to a terrific one in the suburbs and told me over and over again, the people, the yeah. people. I always ask her, what is so darn special? Because the people, they understand. They're, and she took a spiritual yoga class. She never thought it was machines. Right. She said it was business. So what are you doing to get these people? Everyone's having such a hard time hiring. How are you finding these people? Well, look, I started in this business doing graveyard shift. I taught classes. I taught spin classes. I taught people how to work out equipment and sold memberships. I am no better human being than any of the people that work at Lifetime, any of the team members. As, as a result of that, we have this culture of care that goes deep between all 34, 35,000 of us. We're all the same. We're all one. How many? 34, 35,000 total team members. Wow. We're all the same. We're all one. Nobody's better than anybody else. We just work hard. And that love and care that we have amongst each other completely comes through for, the mem- for, team- for our members. If we don't have that type of energy amongst each other, the customer would never get that. So it really has to be embedded in the fabric of everyday behavior of every single person who is at Lifetime. When you came on, you always told me you're undervalued uh, and the market wasn't giving you credit. What did you do when you were private to make it even better than when you were public last time? Yeah, the, during, during the private time, I was able to focus. You know, I worked with David Simon. I worked with Sandeep. You worked with David Simon? With the, is he the meanest man on earth? Oh, he's the best guy ever. He really is smart <laughs> as it comes. So what I did... When I com- see him, because I always want him on. Tell him to come on. I sure will. But I tell you, what, what I did is I lo- took each of their malls and I said, these malls can go from 1.3, 1.4 million square feet mall retail to like a three, four million square feet mixed use developments. Right, right. And then Lifetime can be that you know, place that brings three, four, five thousand of the customers they want. We can build Lifetime Living, we can build Lifetime Work. So I was busy reinventing sort of a mixed use development with the uh, mall owners and then creating with the lifetime living and lifetime work concept, which is a cohesive environment, that is naturally and intuitively more environmentally friendly. Because but, you do, basically, but do we have to worry about these housing developments you're doing? You have two of them. They probably have you know, higher interest rates. They're on fire. They're I on mean, fire. We're, so our, our apartments in Las Vegas are getting 375 a foot right next to the club. The best, the best other ones are at 235 a foot. It is, once again, it's not just apartments. They're literally like condominiums with this athletic facility attached it's to it. It's misuse like Tom Wood does it for the really. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not really the same, uh, you know, we're not competing with the other apartment right. business. We don't do that many. Right. There's only so right. few. And it's, it's really kind of a... One last question yeah. that actually prompted by my daughter. She said, why don't you ask him, why doesn't he charge more? It's certainly the greatest bargain. Yeah, it really is. We started the company with very, very low prices. When these big 100,000, 150,000 square foot facilities, and we charged too little. Over time, we gradually you know, creeped those prices up. 
during the last two, three years, we took little, little bigger steps. There's still huge value, uh, but we're closer to where I think uh, it allows us to have the right number of memberships. But even at this place where the rent must be a fortune? It's still 259 It's not a lot of money. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it, we, we want it to be an exclusive experience, but we want to be inclusive. We want to allow people to come in and enjoy it. Well, I rarely say this, but I'm so proud of you because you did tell me over and over again, people should buy the stock. It was undervalued. Then finally, you took matters into your own hands. And look at this. You've done such a great job. That's Brahma Kradi. He's the founder, chairman, and CEO of Lifetime. And a hero in many ways to me because you said that you were going to do things that was undervalued. You made it all come true. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate you. Coming up, the sky's the limit. A special salute to service edition of the Lightning Round. Next. Before we start tonight's lightning round, I want to take a moment to thank all active duty service members, veterans, and even military families for the sacrifices they make to defend our fabulous country. So again, tonight, we're taking calls from service members from all over the country. And now it is time. It's time for the lightning round. Thank you very much. Taking calls from Fire State and this doctor with a Bible myself. So just be clear. My staff prepares to the flight. Clean this out. And then the lightning round is over. Let's go to Tim in Texas. Tim. Hey, Jim. A 32 years spirit artillery. Thanks for what you do for our veterans. I'm looking at a company that manages technology, consulting, analytics, digital solutions, and mission operations in the cyber field. Booz Allen Hamilton, BAH. What First think, time I've Jim? gotten a call on an unbelievable company. It's up 10 times since it started. I think you stay along that. It was down big today, and I would be a buyer. Anthony in Texas. Anthony. Right, booyah, Jim. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. What's going on? Hi, I'm inquiring about T-Bot Lithium. Uh, it's up over 38% in about six months. Yeah, I don't want you touching that one. They actually have nothing. They have not, They have no revenues. They're just, they're just a, look, I'm not saying it's a shell company, but it's not what I want you. I want you in something much more substantive than that. Let's go to Paul in Connecticut. Paul. Thanks for taking my call, Jim. Of course, Paul. This company is completing a multi-year transformation this quarter. They've just received a $10.2 billion cash infusion from two spinoffs. They have also, this quarter, increased their cash flow, positive cash flow, by $1.4 billion annually by eliminating their dividend and large debt reduction. Right, right. You think it's time to start layering into Lumen Technologies? No, I don't. I think that they are really, uh, they're behind the eight ball, frankly. I just am afraid that it's just too risky for you. And anybody cuts a dividend is not to a friend of mine on this show. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, a token of appreciation for productive assets. But with some cryptos, you may as well flip a coin. Learn to tell which is which, next.
Dogecoin, Polygon, Polkadot, Chainlink, Shiba Inu, Cosmos. You know what these are? They're crypto coins, made up digital currencies. Together, those ones that I just mentioned are supposedly worth more than $38 billion. In reality, you know what? They may be worth nothing. After the collapse of the second largest crypto exchange, FTX, and the whole empire of Sam Bankman freed, we know these coins, which trade big every day, could only be no different from fool's gold, Confederate dollars. Hey, how about this one? Monopoly money! Cryptopoly! Now, I'll admit that I bought Ethereum and Bitcoin. I'm on a bet on a lark. I got very lucky. I cashed out near the peak, and it was luck, and bought a farm with it. It just seemed too good to be true. The collapse of FTX tells me what? That it was too good to be true, despite the apostles of crypto who are so aggressive in defense of these faux currencies that make you feel like fools. Well, look who's foolish now. My take, and I'll make this very simple. If you've got money in one of these comedies of errors coins, uh, yesterday's snapback rally has given you the chance to get out of these before they go back down again. Now, I've been against these cryptocurrencies for ages. I've gotten a ton of criticism from people who basically argue, hey, you made money in them. Why can't anyone else? Well, the answer to that question is timing. Oh, and luck. Plus, when I bought crypto, I never viewed it as anything other than just pure gambling, like playing Powerball, which I also like. I bought Bitcoin on a bet with this fellow, this fellow Pomp, big crypto defender, who said I could make big money if I listened to him. He said, OK, I'll listen to him. At the time, he was right. I bought Ethereum because I entered an auction where all the bidding had to be done in Ethereum. I meant to transfer it back to dollars, but I forgot. In the interim, the price soared. So I made, yeah, I made a killing. But it was a lucky killing. There was no skill whatsoever. But those days are over, people. The joke is done. Let the rim shot begin. The emperors have no clothes. A week ago, Sam Bankman-Fried was running a highly respected entity, one that had big institutional money behind it. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars from some major venture capital funds. We were calling him the J.P. Morgan of crypto. Now he's under investigation by the Justice Department. His firm is bankrupt or zero. The crazy thing about it, though, really, to put it in monopoly terms, FTX, FTX was boardwalk. His so-called investment fund, Alameda Research, well, that was Park Place. I think Dogecoin, though, sorry, Baltic, Shiba Inu, Mediterranean, those ones at the beginning, you know, they don't they do that well. Polkadot, Paragon, and Chainlink, well, they feel a lot like Connecticut Avenue Oriental, as my mother always called it, and Vermont. I think the game is over, so a lot of people, a lot of people lose the whole, you know, what they do is they toss the board. I used to do that to my sister. I tossed the board when I was so angry, and, and, and the whole thing, everything, all those Monopoly pieces started flying. I don't want you tossing the board. But that's what's going to happen. Of course, as farcical as all these extra special digital assets might be, the mock daddy of the whole monopoly money is, boom, Tether. That's a $68 billion stablecoin, which might be as unstable as a three-legged table. Yet, it's considered the safest way to trade these things because it's supposedly pegged to the dollar. Heavy emphasis on supposedly. Crypto people think it's the equivalent of the dollar that you can use in, in your cash reserve account when you buy mutual funds. They swear by Tether. They don't even want Tether mentioned by me. To me, this is the biggest charade of all. I'm tired of being pushed around by this. Tether's supposed to be backed by all sorts of different assets that are equal to the $68 billion that they need to make it stable. But the firm behind it won't let you t- won't tell you what's in it. They're totally opaque. This stable coin may actually be backed by the full faith and credit of some enterprise you've never heard of. Now, I got to tell you, we do know this. 
Something similar, Sam Bankman-Fried's FTT turned out to be totally chimerical. It was backed by the full faith and credit and nothing. I think you have to treat all these coins and tokens as if they're alchemy. Maybe a, maybe a confidence game. As long as everyone believes in them, they can be worth something. But you've got to ask yourself, if you were playing Monopoly and one day you decided, you know what, it's not Monopoly money, it's real money. And you brought it to, say, yeah, J.P. Morgan, hey, Bank of America, would they accept it? No. They think you're insane. Hmm. Maybe if you'll own these now after the collapse of the so-called J.P. Morgan of crypto, you might want to take this opportunity to cash out. I bet J.P. Morgan or Bank of America would accept the proceeds in dollars, even if you made the money in things so important that we, t- we see them all the time. Cardano and Solana. Or maybe, maybe, maybe the hapless, hilarious Dogecoin. House of pleasure. Cash them in before it's too late, please. And then just don't look back. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I probably try to fight just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.